0: sorry I don't love you a fresh I've gone accustomed to because with you something isn't wrong something isn't wrong something isn't right I wish you could be hey everyone and welcome to Geekdom is back before we dive in this week. We have a sponsor, and today's show is brought to you by LootCrate.com. You can save 10% on any new subscription at TryLootCrate.com slash GeekdomPod. And then if you enter the promo code BRIDGE10, you'll get that 10% off. And, you know, this is sort of an experiment on my end, and we'll, we will see how it goes. But LootCrate seems to be a great fit for Welcome to Geekdom because they give you geeky things. So, you know, kind of goes hand in hand. But today I have on Becky Kovac. I hope I'm saying that correctly, because I didn't ask you beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pronounced Kovac, actually, okay, but everyone Kovach. says it Kovac first time around. All right, I will remember that for next time. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to be talking about American Gods today, and it's sort of nicely timed because the show is about to start too. So, Becky, if you watch that. Maybe we can have you back on for like a follow up part two to this podcast.
1: Yeah, I love that. I was really excited when you told me what the topic was going to be.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I just sort of play it by ear for this podcast. I'm like, all right, what do I want to talk about this week? Who wants to talk about this thing with me? And let's just do that. So, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to the topics from week to week. It's sort of just like, you know, a bunch of stuff and then a lot of Star Wars which it happens. There's a lot of Star Wars stuff to talk about, so it makes <laughs> sense. But you and I both read this book because of the very, very short-lived Property of Zack book club, which most people probably don't know was even a thing.
1: Uh, it was It was
0: very short-lived, and that
1: makes me so sad because, honestly, I, I love the idea that we were all kind of Getting together and reading books at the same time so that we could talk about it after the fact because there's nothing I love more than diving into a book with somebody.
0: Yeah. And there were only like eight or nine of us in the group, I think, out of all the Property of Zach staff, which I don't know how many people were on staff at any given point, but I know it was definitely more than nine. So it was definitely a small portion of the people who contributed to Property of Zach. But like you, I sort of really like reading books and then talking about them, which is essentially why we are doing this podcast today. And I know it's been a while, obviously, since we both read it, too. Yeah. But I think just the premise of the book in general, at first, I was kind of like, I don't really know if I'm going to like this, because I'm not huge on sort of the weird fantasy kind of books, unless it's Harry Potter, like, because Harry Potter was completely made up. And sort of in its own little world, I think that was a little different for me. But more often than not, I will not read anything like fantasy related in the slightest. And I think, you know, this involving gods and mythological creatures and that sort of thing, I was like, a little leery at first, were you wanting to read this book when we did end up reading it? Or did you know nothing about it?
1: Um, so I am actually kind of the exact opposite of you where the majority of what I read kind of falls into that fantasy sci-fi spectrum. Okay. Um, and I had been meaning to get to Neil Gaiman and American Gods, especially for a while. He wrote some of my favorite Doctor Who episodes and I had just always been really interested in his style. So I was excited when American Gods ended up being the first book in the book club Um, And actually, I've always been really fascinated by different cultures and by their religions and their mythologies and things like that. So it was a really great introduction to his work.
0: Yeah. So this sounds like it was definitely a perfect fit for you. And I think what sort of drew me in with it is that the way Neil Gaiman writes, it just works so well. And I don't really feel like it's this totally made up world because he still keeps things Grounded at times, too. So basically, for anyone who hasn't read it, which one, spoiler warning, but two, here's what it's about. I don't, maybe I did that in the wrong order, but (laughs) Shadow is the main character of this book and he's a convict. And when he's released from prison early, his wife, Laura, and his best friend, Robbie, both die in a car accident. And, you know, that sort of puts him into this kind of tailspin until he meets Mr. Wednesday, which I've always thought was a strange name for someone, but also like one of those really great fictional names at the same time, because it's just like something easy to remember. And it's like, well, I guess Wednesday of the Addams family probably helps this too, because it's like, yeah, okay, I get using that name.
1: Yeah. Also, for any Dane Cook fans out there, back of the day is
0: always a Wednesday. I totally forgot about that I used to listen to Dane Cook in like high school and then it just it was like a very quick peak for me and then it just quickly dropped off and it was like I had this maybe year or two stretch where I was just like wanting to listen to everything Dane Cook did and then I just got over it but that aside (laughs) that portion of the story really keeps it grounded and you know, it's a real problem that people of all walks of life can go through. Unless you are living somewhere where you don't have cars, then that's a little bit different. But you can still sort of have that same kind of tragedy happen. And it's not like it was so fantasy like and so unbelievably imaginary and that sort of thing where you were like, okay, why am I even reading this? And I think, you know, in a way, Harry Potter did the same thing. Because of the kinds of tragedies they had going on throughout the seven books, it sort of kept it grounded. And you were like, who cares if they can do magic? You know, this is something people can relate to in some way still. So do you think that sort of helps you enjoy fantasy more? Do you like the things that don't really seem like they would even be remotely possible at all?
1: No, I I definitely agree with you. I think that Neil Gaiman has a really great way of just crafting this world within a world. So it it does keep it grounded and and it makes it easier to relate to. And I kind of like the idea of there being this kind of hidden backstory to everything that we see and everything that we know.
0: Yeah. And obviously, you know, Greek gods and ancient mythology and that sort of thing has been around for a very, very, very long time. So. It's not even the fact that he's making up this entire world too it's the fact that he can pull from these sources and implement them so well into his stories and everything because I believe one of his most recent books is literally just called Norse Norse Mythology. Yeah, and a lot of people have been talking about how well written that book is and everything like that and you know, for me like I said, I wasn't sure I was going to like it, but then I was surprised at how much I did like it. And one, it's a fairly long book too, so I like picked it up and was like, "Oh, this is this is a lot."
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it 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 is pretty hefty.
0: Yeah, because just judging based on looking at it on my shelf, it looks twice the size of. Oh God, I'm gonna butcher this. It's either a Nancy Boys or a Nancy Boys. Yeah. Whichever way you pronounce it, clearly I'm not on a roll with pronouncing things right now. (laughs) I apologize. I mean, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, so I'm just going to go with whatever you say it is. Okay. Okay. We'll go with the Nancy Boys because, you know, I think it has something to do with Mr. Nancy, and Nancy sounds correct. It just sounds like it has an A in the front of it. So we're going to go with that. But I have not read A Nancy Boys yet, and I know it sort of at least a little ties into this, or it's a sequel or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. Clearly, I should have looked this up, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't
1: read *A Nancy Boys yet either, um, but I do know that there is some sort of tie-in there.
0: Okay. And I figured as much when I was, you know, going through Wikipedia and reading the description, and I saw it in parentheses in the description, I was like, okay, pretty sure that has something to do with this. And I think you know, he's one of those writers where people just eat up whatever it is he's writing about. And more often than not, he is doing the sort of fantasy type things, but he also does a lot of comic book stuff, too. And I think the fact that he's able to, you know, portray all this Norse mythology and that stuff in his books, and then go and write something like Batman, and not have this feeling where he needs to put what he writes about into the comics, too. So I think he definitely is really good at separating, you know, his set of books that he can, you know, write about whatever he wants to write about, because a publisher is going to publish it no matter what, because he's Neil Gaiman. And then being able to go on to such a big comic book character like Batman and not bring that over but still bring the writing style over. It's just really interesting to me and I think, you know, when I read um his Batman book which is Batman whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, it wasn't in, you know, continuity necessarily with Batman stories. I don't know if you read comics at all, Becky. I don't. I've been okay. meaning to try and get into comics, but I I just
1: the 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 layout of the comic books, I guess, is what has always kind of turned me off.
0: Okay. Well, I can give you some suggestions after this, but if we do that during the podcast, this will go on for probably way (laughs) too long. But just the fact that people can write novels and write comic books because of, like you said, the layout and the format and everything like that, that amazes me. Because to me, writing a comic book, when you look at the scripts and everything and the deluxe editions and whatnot, it looks a lot more like writing a film script or something like that because you are focusing on the dialogue. You're not having to write out every single motion or movement or, you know, path that the characters take like you do with novels. And I think, you know, a book as big as American Gods, obviously so much has to be put into a book like that. And he just did it so well. And I don't know if it was his debut novel. I don't think it was, but I'm going to look that up. I'm not positive. I feel like he might have had a couple before that. Yeah, this is the problem I have with these like big authors and everything. Like, I just did a podcast recently about Stephen King, and it's like, he has so many books. I don't think I could even name half of them if I tried, but I know about most of them. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because um, I think I think for Gaiman, I think Neverwhere and Stardust came before American Gods, but I could be wrong on that.
0: I think you are probably right, because he's been writing since 1984. So not quite as long as Stephen King, but he had a book in 1990 called Good Omens, then Neverwhere and Stardust. And then American Gods wasn't even until 2001. So this was like 17 years after he had already started writing, basically. So he obviously had time to sort of hone his craft and everything like that. And I think when you think of Neil Gaiman, though, this is sort of one of the first books people will point you towards. And I think that's in part why the Property of Zach Book Club picked it as well, because it's like the big Neil Gaiman book. And With the show coming now, I think you know we might see some more of his stuff being made into TV shows or films and whatnot. Much in the way that Stephen King stuff has, because I I was telling Ryan Gardner when we did a podcast on Stephen King last week, I might literally need a spreadsheet just of all the Stephen King things. Because I cannot keep track of the books, the films, the TV movies, and the movies, and the, you know, remakes and all of that stuff without something sitting in front of me telling me what those things are. So I think Neil Gaiman definitely has that potential, especially with these more fantasy-like stories, and especially since we've seen how big Harry Potter was for people.
1: Yeah, I know Stardust is a movie, um, and that actually stars Charlie Cox, who is currently Daredevil in the Netflix series.
0: Okay. Um,
1: And then Coraline was an an animated film, which I haven't actually read Coraline, but I do love the movie. So it's one of those books that has been on my list forever, and I just haven't picked it up yet.
0: Yeah, and I've definitely heard about that one. And I think I heard about the movie before I heard about the book. So I was like, oh, that's a Neil Gaiman thing. Yeah, so clearly, you know, he already has these things going on and being adapted to the big screen and the small screen and everything like that, but I think you know, this show being on Stars, not everyone necessarily gets Stars. I know I don't. Same. So it it will be interesting to see how it goes because to me, Stars isn't really like an HBO or Showtime where a lot of people seem to have it and always be talking about the shows on those channels. But I, yeah, I'm going to have to figure something out because I really want to watch it. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. I don't have stars, but I've
1: been dying to see this show since they first announced that they were making it. Um, so that's something that I'm trying to figure out before it all comes out.
0: Yeah, and the official trailer is out. So I'll definitely toss that in the show notes and everything. And the show premieres on April 30th. So, you know, we have a couple of weeks to figure this out. I think I think we can manage to do that <laughs> by then. Yeah, for sure. But it definitely looks like they got a great cast and everything for it. And I'm really hoping that it lives up to the book, which I know is really hard. But I think a lot of things have been able to do that, like Fight Club and the Harry Potter movies and those sorts of things. I think, you know, sometimes it's hit or miss. But if you get just enough of the stuff from the source material that people want, I think you'll be fine. Because as you know, with the Harry Potter books and everything, there were seven books, eight movies, and they still couldn't fit everything into those movies because of how different movies are from writing a novel. And all of the novels are pretty huge books. So with American Gods being another book on the larger end, I think going the TV route makes a lot of sense, because I feel like with TV, you can do so much more than you can with, you know, a two hour movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I was reading something earlier today, um, talking about the TV show and how the first season is eight episodes, and it covers about a third of the book. Yeah. So I, I think it's great that they went the TV route, because it does allow them that space to kind of spread things out a little bit and really try to fit in everything that they need to without it feeling like it's rushed or like they've left out anything important.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll take a quick break here so I can tell you guys more about Loot Crate. So for all of you listeners of Welcome to Geekdom, they're offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com like I said, you have to go to trylootcrate.com slash pod. You have to definitely make sure to use that link and it'll be in the show notes and everything. So you won't have to type it out. You can just click on that and then enter bridge 10 and you'll get 10% off. So like I said, this, this sponsorship goes hand in hand with Welcome to Geekdom because they literally describe it as a box service for Epic Geek and Gamer items and pop culture gear. So if that doesn't fit, I don't know what does. And it's less than 20 bucks a month and you'll get six to eight items in there. So that can be gear, apparel, collectibles, and they'll even have items that are unique specifically to the Loot Crate boxes too. So you're sort of getting these exclusives and you're not paying that exclusive price for it. Like when you see things like Funko's at all the Comic Cons for like 50 bucks a pop, literally for a pop doll. So (laughs) you have until the 19th at 9pm Pacific of every month to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And this month, I believe it's Batman, Jessica Jones, Stranger Things and X-Files, you will get items from each of those in the box. And, you know, it sounds like I want this box. But Becky, like you and I were saying, probably shouldn't spend the money. But you know, that that is very tempting. So if you guys think you shouldn't spend the money, but are going to anyway, why don't you save yourself 10% and use the code bridge 10. And I want to thank Loot Crate for sponsoring this episode. But we will get back to the American Gods chat now. So Becky, you mentioned this is eight episodes taking up a third of the book. I think that's a really smart idea. Because with American Gods, it's like, you know, it has a beginning and an end. And I'm not necessarily a huge fan of when a TV show takes a property, like a novel or something like that. And they sort of try to extend it beyond what it already has and what's given for it. And I'm really hoping that they don't switch it up too much for this. Yeah, same.
1: But I think the cool thing about American Gods is that There are so many different characters that they could explore with the TV show that if the show does do well and they want to try and extend it beyond just three seasons, doing a third of the the book per season, um, they can explore more of these other characters that aren't necessarily Mr. Wednesday or Shadow.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if it's characters who don't, you know, have this... Definite ending by the end of the book, that's definitely one route you can take. But if a Nancy Boys are as tied in as we seem to think without having read the book, that could also be another way to go. You know, you have your American Gods show for three seasons, and then you move on and do a Nancy Boys and sort of see where that goes and As far as I know, those two are the two that are connected. I don't know about any future book plans that Neil Gaiman has or anything like that. But if he really wanted to, he could always just write more sequels to stuff and keep making TV shows out of them too. So I think, like you said, because there are so many characters, I think that sort of was a problem when I was reading the book too, because I was like, wait, who is this? What do they do? It's like, I almost should have written out the character names and then like descriptions next to each one so I wouldn't forget as the story went on because like you said there are so many of them
1: yeah and if you're not familiar with the mythology or the religious connotations behind some of these characters it can get to be a little confusing sometimes and a little hard to keep up with all of the different names um but it's it's worth it to take it slow when you're reading American Gods just so that you can keep everything straight and you don't miss anything
0: Yeah, definitely. And as someone who isn't religious and has never been religious, sometimes I'm just like, wait, what is this saying? And I'm like, do I want to look it up or is this going to just take me down some giant rabbit hole that I will never get out of? But with the mythology and everything like that, I'd at least heard about that stuff in school because, you know, you have your projects on Greek mythology or whatever. I don't know if that's necessarily a thing still, but. I know it was definitely covered in some capacity between elementary school, middle school and high school. So that wasn't as bad for me, but it's definitely a lot to take in. And I think even if you don't write down the characters and everything, like I said, I should have, you can definitely still get a very good grasp on the story if you sort of just take your time with it. I don't think this by any means is a book I would just want to fly through and you know, finish in a couple days or something like that. But I feel like by the end of it, it's like you're, everything wraps up nicely. And you're like, okay, this is what happened. I got this. I understand why all of these other things happened. And that's really important for a book. Even if it has a sequel or something down the line, I still think each book in a series needs to sort of have that nice ending and maybe have like a cliffhanger or two. But a lot of things still need to ex- be explained by the end of it. Yeah, agreed. So, we've talked a little bit about other books that we've read, but is there any particular place you are going to start when you pick back up reading his books? Because I mentioned, you know, reading Batman. The only other novel of his I've read is Trigger Warning, and that was more short stories put together and everything like that. And it was definitely different than american gods so i really enjoyed that because again it showed a different side of what he's capable of doing as a writer
1: yeah um i haven't read trigger warning but i've read fragile things and i've read smoke and mirrors which are both also collections of short fiction um and like short stories so i i i do love neil gaiman a lot he's probably one of my favorite authors um I know I mentioned that I would like to read Coraline at some point. I still have to pick up an Nancy Boys uh Neverwhere. Neverwhere? Is that what it's called? Yes. Um yeah, Neverwhere is another one that I've been meaning to read at some point and just haven't gotten around to it yet. My biggest problem these days is just the my attention span feels like it's not quite what it used to be.
0: I totally get that. So <laughs> sitting
1: down yeah, sitting down with like a large book as much as I love reading and I love it, I just can't do it for long stretches of time like I used to. So the short short story collections are much more up my alley these days.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if this happens with you, but if a book is long but has short chapters, that will feel much better to me than a book that has long chapters in it, like 20 plus page chapters for every single chapter. And I'm just like, but I want to be able to stop at nice short points. And, you know, if I have time to read five chapters, I can read five chapters or I can just read a chapter and, you know, feel like I've accomplished something. And I think, you know, right now I'm reading Salem's Lot by Stephen King. And while the chapters are long, they're still broken up into like subsections. So I was like, okay, I feel comfortable stopping here because it's a subsection. And even if it's not me stopping at the beginning of a chapter, that's fine. I don't know if you are necessarily as weird about that as I am, but I just feel like long books with shorter chapters feel like much faster reads to me.
1: Oh, no, 100%. I am the exact same way when it comes to books. I am actually in book three of Stephen King's The Dark Tower series.
0: Yeah, those are very Um, long.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that it kicks off. So the first book isn't even technically part of the series, but the first book is The Stand. And that's kind okay. of where it all starts. And The Stand is about 1,500 pages long.
0: Yeah, I'm slowly making my way through his books. I had read some and then I went back, read Carrie. Now I'm on Salem's Lot and I'm trying to go through chronologically, but I feel like I'm just going to be like, give me the short books, please. <laughs> I Yeah, I
1: this is my first kind of foray into Stephen King's works. And it was actually recommended to me that I read the Dark Tower series um, and then I was corrected and told that I couldn't start with the first book in that series. I had to read the stand first. So that took me like a month just to get through one book.
0: Yeah. And
1: And now I am slowly but surely waking my way through the rest of the series, which is, I think, eight books long.
0: Yeah, I know there is definitely one that was added. So I think that did make it eight books. But Yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to getting to like it or needful things or something like that in the queue there. But I think, you know, now I really want to read Anansi Boys after talking about this. And I'm sure someone is going to tell me that I've been saying that wrong this entire (laughs) time. So, you know, anyone out there who is listening, feel free to correct me because when I read things, I never know how to pronounce them, hence never knowing how to pronounce Becky's last name which totally my bad, but it's like, I've only ever read your name. I've never said your name. So we live in a weird world where that's
1: (laughs) a thing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Another, another of Gaiman's books that
1: I would recommend, and it's a little bit easier of a read and a little bit quicker read is the graveyard book. Okay, I think it's, it's technically a kid's book. It's his version of the jungle book, but I actually, I mean, I really loved it.
0: Okay, yeah, I will definitely check that out. And I just looked up the book length on Anansi Boys and Amazon is telling me it's 448 pages. And I just told you all, it looks half the size of American Gods on my shelf. So that's still a long book to me. For me, it's like less than 300 pages is a short book. Yeah. Or if it's a 33 and a third series book, that's a very, very, very short book.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think my copy of American Gods is like 500 pages
0: or so okay yeah that that is weird I don't understand page numbering sometimes because it's like this copy of the book is this many pages but this one is twice as long
1: yeah it all depends on the size of the page and the size of the font and yeah it's never the same across different pressings or not pressings because we're talking books but prints I
0: guess yeah Technically, they press them too, so... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take that. Gotta get books and vinyl separated here somehow. <laughs> I know, I'm I'm so used to spending
1: my days talking about nothing but music. It's a weird yet welcome change to be talking about books instead.
0: Yeah, well, you are definitely welcome to come back on anytime and talk about books. But, you know, before we wrap up here, I just want to talk briefly about American Gods and how popular this book became because, you know, like I said, it came out around 2001. And I think that was sort of like the height of Harry Potter and everything. So you have all of this fantasy stuff going on. I think that's something that probably helped this book do so well, too, because it's like everyone was like fantasy. Yes, we like this stuff. Give us more of this stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I was I guess I was like 9 when American Gods came out. So it was a little bit beyond me at that point, but it it all kind of does tie together.
0: Yeah, I that 9 sounds about right. I don't <laughs> want to do the math here, but you know, the first Harry Potter book came out in 98. So she was probably on book 3 or 4 by 2001 and I think, you know, I don't remember if the movie started coming out after all of the books were out. I don't think that was the case. I think they sort of kept coming out together. And, you know, just the fact that it's popular enough to get a TV show in 2017, I think, is a testament to how well liked this book is and how interesting it is, because, you know we're still getting Harry Potter related movies and everything with Fantastic Beasts and that sort of thing. But that sort of has really dwindled down, I would say from those last two movies for the final book being released. And I think a lot of people are excited about the show because of how well this book stands up. I don't think we would be seeing a show for it in 2017. If it was like, you know, a book where no one was reading it still, obviously, because then it's like, who would watch the show?
1: Yeah. And I mean, we wouldn't be here talking about it
0: if it didn't stand up as well as it has. Yeah, we would have to be like Neil Gaiman mega fans to be talking about it if it weren't, you know, as popular as it is probably. And I wouldn't say, you know, I'm a huge, huge Neil Gaiman fan, simply because I haven't, Read enough of his stuff to sort of make that judgment call on my part. And I think now I really want to read more of his books, but I'm, you know, kind of sort of slowly reading through Salem's Lot. So I know that we'll have to wait, but I think I will definitely take your recommendation and run with that next. And what do you think we'll be seeing from Neil Gaiman in the future? Do you follow him at all? Do you pay attention to sort of his new stuff as it comes out, or do you sort of just kind of know he's there and know that you want to read his stuff whenever you get to it?
1: It's definitely more, I kind of just know that he's there and I get to his stuff whenever I have a chance. Um, I mean, whenever I walk into any bookstore, his last name is one of the first ones that I look for just to see what they have available that I haven't already gotten around to yet. Um, which I mean, is still a fair, fair number of books that I am slowly working my way through. But I mean, I'd like to see him continue to to put out, you know, these short story collections and, and I would love to see him explore the world of American gods even further in future books. I think he's I I think he's also been super involved in the show itself in terms of producing.
0: Yeah, I think he definitely is. But you know, it's funny to me because like you said, he's just one of those names you always look for in a bookstore. And I think I definitely have authors like that. And while he might not be one of them, at least not yet, anyway, he's still someone like I follow him on Twitter. And I've read two of his books on a comic book. So you know, I'm definitely still interested. And, you know, funny enough, he has a book about Duran Duran. So here are our worlds colliding, Neil Gaiman and music.
1: Does he really?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's called Duran Duran, the first four years of the Fab Five. And that was what he released in 1984, which makes sense, because they were huge in the 80s. So, okay. you know, that might actually be his first book. So, you know, we might have to read that, Becky, we might have to make a two person book club here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I-, I think that we're gonna have to.
0: Yeah, so see, you know, just doing this podcast, we're finding out things we had no idea about, which, you know, had I planned this podcast further ahead of time, which thank you for doing it so last minute, but if I had planned it sooner, we could have, you know, dug into this more and sort of gone a little deeper on American Gods, too. But I just think, you know, for anyone who is looking to get into Neil Gaiman, I think American Gods is the place to start, even if, you know, it's this big book that might look intimidating and, you know, just feel like it'll take you a long time to get through, but it's so worth the read. And I think this is really the book that gives you a good idea of what to expect. And I wouldn't even say this is, you know, Neil Gaiman at his peak because he's still a great writer. I think this is sort of just the book that shows you what he's capable of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about in regards to American gods? Um, I mean, I feel like we we did a pretty good job
1: of covering it. I'm really excited to see what they do with the show. Um, like I said, I think he's been super involved in putting everything together for the show, which makes me even more excited because knowing that he's on board and that he's had a hand in everything that they've done means that it should stay pretty true to the book. And I'm one of those people who all enjoy a show or a movie, regardless but there's always like that nagging voice in the back of my head that's like that's not how it happened
0: <laughs> yeah as as someone who watches like the flash and supergirl and all those things you know i definitely am familiar with that feeling because i'm like wait isn't he more of a batman villain than an arrow villain and why is this happening but i still am kind of sort of enjoying it depending on the season so <laughs> yeah i definitely understand that and I get excited when the original creators are involved in the process. And obviously, with something like comic books, where there have been so many people to work on Batman, so many people to work on Superman and Supergirl and things like that, that's a lot harder to do just because comics have been around so long, especially those comic book characters. But with this, you know, this is Neil Gaiman's world. He created this. And, you know, before we go, I actually want to touch on Mr. Wednesday. A little more because he's the con man in the book. And I'm really hoping that they get this character right in the show because I don't know if you ever watched White Collar. I watched it a little bit when it first came out. Okay. But, you know, Neil Caffrey is this huge con man who turns into an FBI asset because he's under house arrest, basically, or kind of sort of house arrest. He can go like, I think it's X amount of miles from his apartment. And, you know, he was so appealing as a con man because of the actor, Matt Balmer, playing him and just how they wrote the character. So I'm hoping that, you know, Mr. Wednesday still is able to keep a lot of that personality that he had in the book. And I'm hoping, you know, their choice of actor for him just really embodies that because I feel like, Mr. Wednesday might be the character in this book that can make or break the TV show. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. I I think that
1: him and Shadow especially are so important that if either one of them isn't done correctly or done justice, then the whole show will kind of crumble around that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously with the mythology and everything like that, That's something I think can more easily be implemented in shows just because of how many shows have already sort of done that sort of thing before and how much is written about mythology. And it's like you have so much more source material for that stuff than just American gods that that should be fairly easy for them to do. Hopefully, I mean, I shouldn't call it easy because working on a TV show is probably not easy in the slightest, but I think just overall with all of the different aspects and characters, that might be the one thing where people will be like, eh, maybe that's not exactly the same as the book, but it makes sense. So as long as they get, you know, the characters down, I think that's really going to make the show better. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Becky.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking me to do this. I was, like I said, I was really excited when you told me the topic was going to be American Gods.
0: Yeah, I sometimes just throw things out there. I'm like, I I think this person has read this or watched this or, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, I know sort of who to pitch what type of topics to now. So it's getting easier for me to like quickly schedule podcasts and get topics picked for, you know, different people. So if you are down to come back on the podcast, we can definitely do that. Get some book reading done, you know obviously you know because this is a weekly podcast and I do a different topic each week you don't have to come on like next week and talk about an entire <laughs> book so i can definitely give you much more notice for the next episode and we can definitely figure that out but just as a reminder to American gods is on stars and that is on april 30th so it'll be here in a couple weeks and like i said stars is one of those Special cable package things. So if you are lucky enough to have it, definitely check it out. If you aren't, Becky and I are going to figure out how to watch it and we will potentially let you know how to do so as well. I think I don't know if Stars is one of those things where you can just buy it separately like you can with HBO now. So I will definitely have to look into that. Or I'm sure they have it to where you can buy the season and either watch it right after it airs or I think sometimes if you buy a season of something, they'll let you watch it week to week. So, you know, we'll have to figure that out because I definitely want to watch this. And Becky, obviously, I know you do too. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to do some research on this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Yeah, this is fun. For sure. And as always, to our listeners, thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.